So the questions actually all sound kind of similar, which is makes my job easier. So I think I would simply start off by saying, in the practice of meditation, I wouldn't focus on kind of the right or the wrong way of doing things. I would more focus on, am I feeling more relaxed or not? Am I feeling more grounded or not? Am I feeling more centered or peaceful or not? So meditation, it is now scientifically proven to change the structure of your brain, to change the gray matter, to change the, the wavelengths that are coming off, um, to change your consciousness, so to say. And it is also shown pretty directly that the amount of time that you invest in meditation directly affects how much of a change you'll see. So there's a really easy practice one can do, which is called the 10 breaths, where you just close your eyes, you breathe fully in, you breathe fully out, and then in your mind you just say one, you breathe in and out, and you say two, and you just take 10 conscious breaths. And that's really sometimes enough just to shift your presence to ground you and wherever you are. Um, some people I know have watches that every hour there's an alarm that it beeps. So every time the alarm beeps, they take those breaths, which is called the drop um, method because it's just like drop by drop. So throughout the day, just these little drops of meditative mindful space. So. Yeah, so answering the question directly, there is no amount of time that one should meditate, or even, I wouldn't even say an amount of time that is recommended. It really depends on what one wants. So I've found that when I sit down to meditate, it's a, it's a settling process that you start to kind of marinate in the silence, you marinate in the inactivity, and it and the quiet, and it slowly starts to shift you towards peace. Um, there's days where I can get into that state pretty easily. There's days that I would literally need an hour of just sitting for the mind to slowly just calm down, calm down, get, get in place, get in place. I often would say something like 15 minutes to people as a daily practice, just to begin with, and also if you're meditating and it's been 15 minutes but it's still going great, then just keep going. Um, you know, you can always meditate longer if it starts to feel good. And I think specifically for classrooms, um, the practices that I've done with students have tried to catch the students where they are and then bring them also into a deeper place. So if they're students and they're really seeing there's a test and they're anxious, which means their bodies will be tight and everything will be, right? It's always possible to have them stand up, maybe like breathe, reach up, <clears throat> excuse me, breathe out, reach down, shake it out, kind of let out some of that nervous energy. 
um, even be a little silly, you know. And um, yes, yeah, something that brings body in with it because it's also, interestingly enough, scientifically proven that when you are using your body, it actually um, expands your ability to remember things. So I would even imagine if you had groups of kids that were doing some mindful breathing and stretches and movements before a test, they would score better than another group that didn't. Um, just because it kind of opens up the brain a little bit, it gets you out of your head a little more grounded, and then actually you're more present for the test itself. And for teachers who want to relax, people that work in schools that want to relax, There is also always something like maybe going outside for a couple minutes and just taking a few breaths in the fresh air, getting out of the class, getting out of the, the energy that you're in. Um, if you can't do that also, right, when there's no students, I always love just shaking out, like really just shaking out your body. It's something I learned through yoga was that our body stores a lot of emotional and mental tension a lot of times. Even if your mind feels okay, your body will have tension in certain places, and that tension will continue reflecting back to your mind that there's a problem, that there's something to do, something to fix. So sometimes just by opening up and stretching out the body, the mind gets the signals that, oh, it's okay, everything's okay. So, you know, I never underestimate a good stretch, um, stretching and breathing and bending down, and just letting everything hang down and breathing. But if you want to um, have an accelerated method of meditation, this is something that I haven't taught in a while, but I used to practice a lot, um, is that when I would often sit, I would sit down and I would feel the space around me, and then I would just smile. And as I just sit there smiling, feeling the space, you know, the mind at first is a little bit like confused, you know, because why, why are we smiling? You know? And then it kind of maybe bounces around to something, but then it comes back to this body sitting here smiling. And then it has maybe different thoughts and things, and then it comes back to this smile. And the smile becomes the same way like we use our breath sometimes to be like the anchor. You can actually use a smile, which it is, you know, quote-unquote fake when you put it up, right? So it's like, you know, there's nothing that I'm particularly smiling about. But what starts to happen is that slowly the mind gets behind that smile. Slowly your, your body, your, your energy, if you will, your mood starts to kind of close in and reflect that. And I think it was even in the book Eat, Pray, Love. I remember when I read that, she went to Bali the book and you know her whatever medicine man teacher also said yeah yeah I have this really powerful method is just sit there and smile and this is one of I would say one of the most overlooked parts of meditation um, when you go to different Buddhist groups uh, in America especially you almost never hear people talking about the emotional component to meditation they talk about more of the form and kind of what you're supposed to be doing and the structure and the activity or the inactivity. 
but the emotional component is so important and when you actually read the step-by-step instructions that the Buddha himself gave on meditation it began with you know sitting down finding a secluded spot right so finding a good place to just sit and to be Um, and that you you sit upright and then you start to breathe and you said you feel the body of the breath yeah and there's been some debate about like what does the body of the breath mean does that mean like feeling like is the like a body of knowledge you know it's not like an actual body it's just the full so is it like that like the breath from the beginning to the end or is it like you feel your body breathing you feel how the muscles and the stomach is opening I've personally found that it's the body breathing because Again, this is the grossest level of our form, right? Gross to subtle. So it's the physical mass, yeah? And then you sit there and you feel your body breathing. And then slowly you transition to feeling the air coming in and out. And it's really just knowing how much air is coming in, how much is going out. It's as if um, there's somebody standing at the front door of Andover High School and they're watching all the students come in and then they watch the students go out and they watch them come in, they just stand at the door and they're seeing all the people just coming in and out of the door. You know, and it's like that, you're just standing at the door of your nose, your nostrils, and you're just watching kind of this air stream out and then the air stream in and you know if there was a lot of air that went out, a little bit of air, if it was long, if it was short. So you just kind of watch the whole process of breathing that's happening, right? So this is starting just to give you like an object, giving the brain something to just the mind something just to be present with, to rest with, something that's very elemental, as it were. It's very simple, the breath. But then the next part of that whole thing is that it says, you know, breathing in, um, he feels joy. The monk meditating, breathing out, he feels joy. Breathing in, he feels rapture. Breathing out, he feels rapture. So it starts to go into the emotional state. And actually, the deeper levels of meditation, it's totally emotionally driven. It's so powerful emotions involved in this. And a way to kind of just hijack that process is if you already know that at the end of this process, I'm supposed to feel good, I should already start positioning myself to feeling good. And um, and if there's already so much stuff going on inside of our minds we're already kind of in weird emotional places so I have done a lot of work in schools and I was for a month a teacher so I was a um, Spanish teacher at Doherty for a month and it's a lot I mean it's a, it's just so much and for me especially and I was like a substitute right so I came in like in half, I was like a long-term sub so to say and um and it's crazy to, to, to receive all of these students. And as much as it was important to teach them Spanish, I really saw it as my job was to really kind of bring them down and get them to just relax and focus and be present. And then I could give them a little bit of information, right? But I almost felt like I was receiving this group of kids and trying to kind of gel them into like one unit and to kind of get them to be present and to be here. And then as soon as I kind of was able to do that, they would run out the door and then the next group of kids came in. And then, so it's like I had to five times throughout the day, like one after the other, you know, receive this huge new wave of energy, craziness, talking, chatting, jumping off the wall, bring it all kind of down to a center and then out and the next group came in. 
you know, and I would go home and I would just pass out on my bed. I'd just go home, fall asleep, wake up, shower, eat dinner, and then go back to sleep. And that was my day. I was too tired to do anything else. And I personally in the classroom then realized uh, this is not sustainable. So I then started setting harder boundaries in the class. And I was like, you know, if we talk out when you're not allowed to, you have to go outside. And I started really setting down some rules. And then I even said, if you do the work now, I'll give you some free, I'll give the class free time, the last 10 minutes, 20 minutes free, which was interesting because then they really focused at the beginning. And then, so I got to a point where I saw, okay, uh, I'm not the problem. The fact that my mind is crazy and exhausted, it's not like I need to work on my exhaustion. It's that I have to learn how to control my class better. That was like my realization for that. And this for me simply goes back to meditation and life are very much entwined. So if you're sitting down to meditate and your mind is really crazy again and again and again. Um, so a lot of people, they come right and they ask me how to meditate and they say every time I try to meditate, I just start falling asleep. You know, and I say to them, that's because you're exhausted. That's the way that you're living your life is exhausting. Yeah, you're exhausting yourself. So when you sit down, you start to fall asleep. So it's not like I'm not going to give you some meditation tools to wake up or something. If you're falling asleep, that means you're living your life in a non-sustainable way for yourself because it's exhausting you. You know, and same thing could be said if your mind is overly restless, if it's anxious, if it's depressed, if it's whatever's going on, and you find that state going on, meditation it allows you to start to see that stuff and slowly start to work with it and create some space around it and be with it and allow it to kind of sink in deeper. But it really is showing us what is our relationship to our world. And sometimes the best thing you can do for your meditation practice is actually to change the way you're living your life. The best thing you can do for your meditation is to change your relationship to other people. Change your relationship to thinking that you have to solve all the problems in the world. To change your relationship to thinking that you're good enough or not good enough. Competent, not competent. Um, valuable, worthless. To change your relationship to having control or trying to have control over everything even when it's not possible. Yeah, changing your relationship to taking everything personally. Yeah, or blaming and giving away responsibilities. Yeah, so there's so many different things in the way that we live and relate to life that are causing all of our problems, whether they're beliefs that we carry, whether those beliefs have been given to us, or we've just created those beliefs about ourselves or the world, or we just are not skillful enough. Yeah, so I always love picking on math classes because I know for myself, I spent so much time, right, we learned trigonometry and calculus and Lots of things that I never actually touched once I left that classroom. And I have always thought, you know, wouldn't it be cool to have a class that's just called emotions? And I even actually thought it'd be cool to have a class called death, right? So it's a whole class, and that class is just we sit and we, we journal, we talk about death, we look at death from different cultures, we do a death meditation, we could go to a cemetery, we could, yeah, just like, things that really belong to life in a more holistic way and bring those into classrooms as like an actual class. Things that for the rest of your life, this will inform your understanding of the world or yourself. Um, but we don't. 
We don't learn that stuff. You don't ever really learn in school, right, what to do when I'm angry. How does one deal with anger? How does one deal with sadness? What happens if you feel neglected? What happens if you feel like you're lacking connection? Yeah, we're not taught any of this stuff. It's, now some of that's coming into the schools, but we're not really taught a lot of that. So we're kind of grown up people, but we're super underdeveloped in so many normal human ways. So it really has to be a combination. It has to work together. So our, our practice has to really support our daily life, but also our daily life has to support our practice. And sometimes if we're like super hectic and everything's crazy and stressed out, yeah, take a couple breaths, relax, but then also really look and say, practically, how am I causing this? What can I change about my relationship to this situation? You know? And there's some really cool practices that involve breathing in a situation and then breathing out peace. If you're in a room and that person's angry, breathe in their anger and breathe out peace to that person. If there's a situation that's tense, breathe in the tension and breathe out the resolve. That there's ways to combine the meditative practice with the situations that are around you. Yeah? And I think this creates also a bridge. And you can even do this with yourself. If you're stressed, breathe in the stress, breathe out the peace. Yeah, we want to do it opposite. I know we want to breathe out the stress and breathe in the peace, yeah? But actually flipping it becomes much more powerful because then you're not running away from things anymore. You're not pushing things away. You're actually pulling in the thing that you're fighting against and realizing, I can hold this. And as you start breathing out peace, it starts actually shifting the whole situation. Yeah. Whereas you could breathe out the stress as much as you want and breathe in the peace, but at the same time, you're just building up a huge ball of stress around yourself then. You come out of the meditation, and it's just sitting there waiting for you. Yeah. But it becomes almost like an alchemical process, right? Transformative. You're breathing in the things you're trying to get away from, and you're breathing out that what you want. You're sending energy out to it. So, for our meditation today, for this class, um, and I'll be leading us in the you know, guided meditation, and I also would like to invite you guys to use that strategy during the class today, that if a situation comes up in your mind, maybe it's a life situation that you're in, that you're having trouble with, or you're stuck in, maybe it's a current situation, um, maybe even if you're sitting here and you feel like a little bit of pain or a little discomfort or restlessness and it, maybe you feel something that you feel trapped with and in and you moved your leg a couple times, it's not working, you tried to adjust your back and it's not working, or you tried to sit up or breathe, it's not working. Try breathing it in. Maybe if you feel stress or anxiety or unsureness or, yeah, something comes up in your mind from your family or your workplace or the world, try breathing it in. And then breathing out peace, breathing out resolve, breathing out kind of like, um, yeah, like an openness to it. Or a, what would the word be? Kind of. It's like the opposite of like you take a coil and you kind of like tighten it by spinning it, but then if you do it the other way, it starts to open up and loosen. 
Yeah. Kind of like that feeling. You're almost giving into, you're pushing towards the resistance and it kind of starts to open up and create space. Because you're not fighting it any, you're not tightening it, you're actually loosening it. Um, sure. You were allowed to ask your question. So um, if you're like in your car, for instance, and you feel that you should be farther down the road than you are, but there's traffic, um, the first thing I would do is I would press hard on the horn and start screaming <laughs> and see if that changes the situation at all. And if it doesn't, um, then same kind of thing is you take that moment to realize what's going on, that I want to be there, but I'm not, and you simply realize there's no single way that I can feel that's gonna change the situation. It's not like by putting stress or pressure on myself, I'm gonna get there any faster. That's called, we're trying to control it. Yeah, and we have this weird thing where we think if I, put a lot of pre if I create a lot of pressure, then I can like get a result. But you're sitting in the car, you're completely helpless. So to realize what's going on, it's, real, it's really just make that realization. You can put your hand on your chest or on your belly and be like, look, it, this isn't gonna help, it doesn't matter. There's nothing you can do, actually. And then you breathe it in, right? You breathe in the stress, you breathe, it, breathe out the peace, and you'll start to maybe realize, oh, actually that stress comes from fear. Maybe I'm afraid people are going to yell at me when I come in, or people are gonna think, oh, that person's late, or people like, because that stress, what is actually underneath that? What's the point of that? You know, I know I did that for myself in my meditation classes. I'd be going to Boston, I'd be late, I'd stress and I'd breathe, and then I'd go into it, and I'd realize, oh, yeah, I'm actually worried that people will be angry at me. And I right away felt my father. And I was like, okay, when I was a kid, and I you know, didn't do what I was supposed to do, what was expected, if I wasn't there on time, I would get yelled at. And there's some weird emotional part of me that thinks if I'm not gonna be there when I'm supposed to be there, right? And then that turns into stress. And it, this really interesting thing where it starts trickling down, you know, as you start breathing and you feel stressed and you're like, what is this really about? You know, and you breathe it in and you breathe it in and you're like, okay, yeah, I'm afraid. Yeah, okay, I'm worried. Why am I worried? Yeah, I'm worried I'm going to get, what? Like, what am I worried about? What am I worried people are going to be saying to me when I walk in that door? What am I worried that in my, my appearance people are going to think that I'm not competent because, like, I'm late? You know, am I going to miss something really important? What is the point? And this starts to develop emotional intelligence. Because as we just kind of start to bring it in, rein it back in, rein our emotions back in, breathe, feel them, we start to really also see like what's, what's the base of this? What's the root of it? Where are these coming from? Um, and maybe it's just stupidity. Maybe we really get to the point where it's just that simple feeling of like my expectation is that I should be at work already and there's traffic and I'm creating stress because the situation is not fitting my expectation of what I want. And then that's just, at some point we have to say, yeah, that's stupid. So, you know, 
the situation is like that. So, okay. so yeah.